This week on Revenue Uncoded, we flash back to a previous employee with Tom Wisnaski, who was with Kansas for six years and now is with Carillion Consulting Group talking about cybersecurity, application modernization, and advisory services. You're going to enjoy this conversation, folks. This week's episode of Revenue Uncoded. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Revenue Uncoded, Coded, Coded, Coded. It's a Wednesday, not a Friday. So we're, we're a little bit off our element on this due to calendars, time, clocks, other items, time spent in other cities. Yeah. So today we have a special guest. Tom Wisnowski is joining us today. Tom Wisnowski, returned. Be back here on the Returned, turf. man. Spent Gosh, I spent what uh, years? No, five oh nine to oh uh, nine to fifteen. Wow, there you go. That was a while ago, man. Woo. We actually did have some very good success yep. doing some new things out yep. there with uh, measurements and the, um, you know, on the cable side with some things there. It, it was it was fun working together. Where's the, where did the event of visibility platform eventually make its way to? Man, it's still alive and well. It's something that we use every single day. Good. And uh, Good. it's it's actually uh, the house for some of the applications that we've got. Good. But it is a very solid reporting tool, mm-hmm. and customers use it all the time. Yeah. I have gone. I've told the story probably. Uh, for lately, because we're traveling with a new uh, a, a new set of folks that my youngest Brody plays ball with, mm. you gotta tell them what your historical. You know, this is what I've done. This is what I. You know, the things I've worked on, and uh, somehow, the subject of subpoena requests came up. Ooh! And I remember when I first started, we talked about all the call records that I believe. You and Alan probably wrote the smartification on how those call records were parsed. And and mediation for that. Yeah. That is, uh, oh, my gosh. Well, the mediation's been around for 24, 25. Oh, that's right, because it was that you guys wrote that way, way long ago. Before you even got here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that was back when parsing Amabath, which is just fun to say. Amabath, that's just fun to say, isn't it? Amabath. So that's when you had to parse them all out, and you know, yeah. just these ugly, nasty, vicious canid files. How many? I remember you and Xander and others I would talk to. In one of those records, how wide was one row of those records? One, one. Oh, not too bad. It was pretty. It's pretty tight data. Like the XML records in the IPDR. Yeah, as they come out today. Now that's got like two zip codes in them before you get to and, those records. Yeah. The uh, you know your all the. Uh, the data that is being captured from the fire hoses now mm-hmm. is much richer, and there's a lot more interaction with less white noise. And uh, well, you've got everything from the quality of service information, uh, whether you're doing voice data. I mean, there's just so many. It's converged services, mm-hmm. and so they're all running across these different nodes that are handling different pieces. They all have to orchestrate together on the network side to produce the deliverable. We need county records for, and then you need to monitor, make sure your network's working. There's just, I, how the hell do you keep all that stuff straight? Well, Bill, I'm able to memorize a lot of things. He's a professional juggler. Use a database. I just memorize the call and boom, it's like a, a billion records a day. But that's okay. I don't what, much. At one point, I think we had what 80 billion records or something like that on file. Maybe we still it had to have been more than that because we were processing like six billion call records a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're still- and then you had to have the online storage, and that's when we started doing the uh, Vertica. Uh, what was that technology again? Call mass yeah. parallel processing MVP MVP, MVP. MVP. That. So that uh, that's a calmer type uh, data scenario, which gives you high performance on the seeks. Mm-hmm. Not so much on the insert. Yeah, I was not a big fan of the inserts. Mm. We would do. Let's transactionally up front, handle each, you know, the, the iterations and the parsing and the aggregation, adding um, uh, industry data and other things like that. Dipping table, dippings, you know, the famous route tables, other things that don't need to play out. Lur. Lur. Another fun word. Lur. Amabath. And all that goes, But, you know, that's, that's, uh, that still exists today you know, for a phone message. Uh, that doesn't have a city or a state or any of that kind of stuff on it. 
Um, the consumer looks at that and says, oh, hey, that's my hometown and my name, my address and all that stuff. But the switch doesn't care. Gives two rips. You, you know, you get that data back and you have to dip it. And that's where it ties into provisioning, which we were talking about with OCS's product catalogs, customer catalog, yep. um, all those different pieces. So that data gets used, aggregated, mismatched, smashed yep. together, yeah. uh, and, and then serves multiple uh, entities within the, the networking and the business sphere, from network side to accounting to CSRs to the end consumer who's going up. Well, I signed up for a, you know, the Simpsons and I don't see it on my bill. I remember. So in that, in that example I used on, um, you know, you know, why a subpoena request was important. Now, many people don't know that the federal government requires you, if you're in this mediation world, you have to keep seven years of history. Yep. Right. Telcos, that is a telco requirement. Yeah. It is a fairly, a lot of data that you wind up having to hold. Yeah. Out. And in certain jurisdictions are more litigious than others. He. So they're the some of them, those uh, subpoena databases run hot. They're constantly. I remember. Uh, inner city. Inner city. Yes. What got me chuckling was my kids when, you know, they, they're 13. Actually, we made a rule. You're not going to get a cell phone before the age of 12. Okay, fine. They turn 12 years old. And they get this cell phone, and it's like, hey, there's some there's some guardrails we have to place upon how we use this cell phone. Why? Well, let me tell you a little story. Um, everything you do on that phone is traceable, trackable, mm. plunkable, out of whether it be taped from cold storage, wherever. And if somebody wants to know why you were talking to someone about something, about a subject that's not so special, we can call upon that. So that... I, I told them, I remember telling my oldest son, Snapchat comes along right in this cool new whiz-bang application where you can send pictures. And man, according to them, it's gone. I send it and it's gone. And I'm like, really? No, it's not. You think it's gone? And when I I told I tell him this and he's like, oh. I go, well, is that a curiosity eyebrow raise or should there be something we should? Or do I have a oh, docking? Yes. Do we need to talk? So I, I gave them all that, you know, and that's just, they don't know the mechanics of how the network works or the regulations and compliance that's in place. Well, anybody does. Nobody. And nor should I even really talk to a 13-year-old about that because they're like, whatever. But uh, another very cool project that ties into this whole sort of backstory we're talking about, about collection of records and why is that important and understanding how a switch works or how anything works on a network was the least cost routing mm that you guys built for that company out on that cool place called Long Island. Don't know if I can use their name or not. No. But uh, that's hence why I left it out. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but that was a really, really cool project because it unpacked for me. And candidly, it's why I'm still a data dork today because when I came to Kansas, I was like, hey, I know how these networks work. And I had this cool experience with HP and OpenView and how to monitor networks. But oh, you mean you can actually tap into every endpoint and collect logs and start to make information look meaningful for decisions, business decisions? So what have you been doing, Tom, since since uh, so you were here for six years and, mm -hmm. and we did have some amazing times together and we had a lot of great conversations with customers and, and just fantastic things. I think about when you guys went to... Uh, California in one of the very largest companies of the world, and mm -hmm. you, you sat out there and you provided some assistance when they were looking at getting into telephony. Yep. Um, fantastic. So what have, you, what have you been doing since then? Well, I mean, candidly, I took a lot of what I learned here and then applied it to how, okay, how can I go have keep having influence within that same vertical market? So as a gentleman's name I shared with you earlier, uh, Ashley Parks. You could say, Ashley, good yeah. guy. Sure. Uh, we met him on a very interesting meeting over at Johnny's Tavern That's when his good. his number one goal of that meeting was, which one of these two guys sitting here am I going to let go of? Not you or I, but the other two. Right, correct. Um, but no, we, we developed a really close relationship, worked at HP for uh, two years together, and then went to uh, Sigma Systems, which was bought by an Australian company called Hanson Technologies. Yeah. And then um, we worked together at a company called Matrix Software. Oh, 
which was a real-time charging platform that and billing. Mark Price and yep. billing. And billing. Mark yep. Price from OpenNet yep. was their CTO there. And uh, so candidly, I, 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 here I was afforded the opportunity to grow the network of connectivity mm-hmm. through the projects and through the umpteen trade shows and just being out talking with people. All right. And, yeah. then, and then, so you started doing that and then you kind of, you still, you, you're always in technology and then you've been kind of involved with technology um, pre-sales and technology project management and kind of working as that that liaison. I take the information from these people and I take it over here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're much more than a mailman, right? But but you you both, but you've also got some biz dev in your pump in your I'm blowing the dust off those books right? so, we speak. So which of the two do you prefer? Oh boy, I have to be honest. Uh, right now, I will say there's there's a uh, there's pluses and minuses to both duties. One, when you're in a delivery or a you know um, if you're a delivery project lead, right, you have very defined tasks associated with timelines that you can measure against. Sales biz dev is there's a level of relaxation you have to realize that you can't build uh new relationships overnight now you can always go back to those that you've had trusted and good interactions with in the past and knock on those doors uh so you know you, you I mean, the white ears being you know i turned the big 5-0 uh but last october which you know not that that's old it's only a matter of age but You've got some experience, right? So go back to those. So I'm going back to those clients, kicking on those old uh, cool. relationships and saying, hey, here's what I'm doing. Um, if you have the need mm-hmm. to backfill mm-hmm. with people process automation, yeah. my organization might be able to help you out. And it comes down to, and you guys can attest to this and how you guys built the, you know, the, the clientele that you did in at Kansas for the 20 plus years, both of you guys have been here. It's trust. You know, you got to You got to You got to deliver a product and a service. And sometimes you got to, sometimes you got to realize mm, maybe I didn't scope that right. Or maybe I didn't and deliver it right. Be willing to accept when you make a mistake mm-hmm. and when you make a mistake, be willing to, to take them through the steps, own up to it. Yep. Right and and go through the battle with them, yeah. I mean, that to me is key. Right, so so I in my opinion, working with you, and I always said, whenever when all of a sudden done, you're an engineer. That's how my brain tends to work. You are an engineer. My adult right. ADD probably doesn't yeah. lend itself to yeah, you, doing that. But you always need to have something kind of. You always need three to four things. Yeah, at one yeah. There's a and in the end, that engineering discipline you apply to biz dev. Or you apply to you know, project management and yeah. what you're working. So yeah. you're you're it, it's a unique combination. I remember. I mean, remember we've had this conversation many times in the past, and where you you know you pegged me once as an architect, and I'm like, what's an architect really do? And it's like, okay, the architect comes in when the salespeople get excited about a potential opportunity, and the architect comes in and scopes if it's product based or service based. You have to go through a very thorough discussion about what are the deliverables expected what are the requirements and and then you have to marry that with okay here's how our engineering and our delivery folks can execute against that and then okay then you hand that off into this cool little design doc that says hey mr project manager i'm going to hand you this document and this is how we scope this project now you go figure out can we get it done in, in the timeline the customer wants to get it done in? And if I push a pricing model out at it for budgetary purposes, how's that going to look? Mm-hmm. So I, I found the blend of my skill set was the kind of always a desire and curiosity to learn. Mm-hmm. And when you're around people that have the same sort of curiosity, like all the stuff I'm seeing here that makes this thing happen, then I knew you were always very good at. Um, it's like you you create a mm-hmm. 
an atmosphere where if the passion, the curiosity melds together with a the group of right people, boom, all of a sudden you can put process together that says, okay, now we can go deliver and make money. Here we go. What have you seen in uh, your experience the changes in how projects are, are run, mm-hmm. the resources that are used with it, the, you know, we, we had those projects that were built on massive amounts of discovery and mm-hmm. work and the contracts and the RFPs. Some of that is shrinking down a little bit more yep. to a little more agile and nimble process. Mm-hmm. That uh, iterative approach on uh, on a number of items that we've seen. And what, what has been your experience with customers and projects over the last 10 years? Well, I will say for sure it it's 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 still a mixed bag, right? It, and it depends, and I don't want to say this in disrespectfully, it's not meant to sound this way, but there are the hardest thing to change is human habit, right? Now, what how the agile methodology is set up to work very, very well is hey, as long as we know what our scope is from where we have now and where we want to get to, it's kind of like remembering your calculus class and you have integrals, right? You go from X to X and you, you do this and you got to break it out into chunks. That's the power of agile. However, that does not meld well, in my opinion, with a lot of, not a lot, but it's still a mixed bag. So there's this term, a hybrid approach. Well, we're going to spend two weeks on site doing discovery. Fine. That's fine. We could do that. To do that, right? You, I think you should do that. Yes, it's totally important. The definition of the deliverables is absolutely crucial. Uh, you know, crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the time spent on target delivering something after you do that, that ability to shift gears a little bit. Yeah. Because in, in today's, at least from what I have been seeing, there's a lot of dynamic things that take place today on the services, the offerings, the products, new technology coming into mm-hmm. play that, you know, if you're going to develop something, but it's going to be six years and it, there's already stuff out there like it or three years, Moore's Law is going to, Murphy's Law is going to pass you up. And slow of a development. Now 100%. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, so finding that you've seen the same thing that some of that mix is. Um, and you you have to you have to get some stuff done in a timely manner, mm-hmm. and you can't blow your budget. Um, you know, I've got to you. There's money, and it costs money, and there's a deliverable. And you need to meet those goals. Yeah, it's it's. I will tell you the the whole process of agile delivery suits my personality very well. Uh, I'll just be candid. Like the human psyche is is stimulated by um, small ducats. If I could steal a turn. Go for it. Go for it. Small ducats of positive reinforcement, right? And that's what makes Agile work very, very well, right? Um, So you take a two-week or a three-week engagement where, hey, you start the week and we say, this new sprint that we're starting is going to have these four deliverables. That's it. Yep. And we're going to break that down. We're going to chunkify it into... Another good word. That's good. But then, so what I found is in the waterfall approach, and you go after, not go after, that's the wrong term. When you question the engineering teams, hey, where are we at? You know the answer you get, right? It's this backup, uneasy feeling because they're still working with bugs and they're still testing. I can't get past this. It's okay. But there's a level of pressure from my standpoint that I've witnessed that comes down a little bit in the agile way because yes, you still, I mean, let's talk about, you know, deploying a new billing system, right? And, and standing that up from, you know, in a, in a parallel environment, really easy to deploy the software, right? Done. It's in. The hard part comes next. You need to do something. Yeah. It's got to do something. And you got to pour over whatever mess you have in that you pass down from the legacy. You have to do all your integrations. Man, could you imagine sitting down at that one hotel company that we did a bunch of business with that had a global experience? Um, if we brought Agile to those people, oh, was that? it wasn't quite 10 years ago. It might have been about 10 years ago. Close. Yeah, might have been about 10 years ago. 2012. 
Yeah. So 11. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Good memory. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, it's a, to me, agile is a psychology of uh, providing gratitude to the human brain to say, I know I have a bunch of stuff to do. Just don't give me a 55 gallon drum of all the tasks I have to do. Give me a Tupper, a gallon Tupperware. And I'll get that done by. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two weekend of it, sprint. It's the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of customers don't like to do it. So let's unpack that. Why? Why do you think that? What, what is the resistance? Um, I think a lot of it is what you said right at the beginning, resistance to change. This is the way we have done it. This is the way that our large corporation procures we... goods mm-hmm. and services. This is how we measure it. You've got to go through a, a two-year cycle to kind of get a large project approved. You've got, once it's in there, you know, we've got to make sure that all of the stakeholders are placated and we've got to go through that whole process and we just know it's going to be difficult and it's going to be a Batan death march mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be that way. No. You're exactly right. I mean, you, you have to put in the, the building blocks, that first big building block. Yes. I, and then yeah. you add to it. Yeah. Incrementally add to it quicker, faster, cheaper, and inevitably it will be lower cost to do to take yes agreed no no i i am agreeing with you i i totally agree and i find it just insanity that in 2023 some of these large massive corporations continue to go down a waterfall approach Mm. right it's waterfall deployment to enterprise applications yeah very very frustrating so i had a conversation with one of our partners um they're a central american-based company but He's over in Spain. Great guy. He we brought up a, he had a cool term today that he called a capacity planning. I was like, well, what exactly does that mean, Javier? And he said, we don't necessarily want to look at the old way, which is you look at the bundle of hours or the bucket of hours times the blended hourly rate or even the direct hourly rate that comes down to the double line that says. 2.7 million. We don't want to look at it that way. Now, back to your point, you can't build a house with a blueprint. Can't. You got to have a blueprint. So you need to do that front side to say, here are my business requirements. Here are my technical limitations. Here's my budget. At some point in time, these have to marry together by the end of 2025, whatever that Whatever that timeline is, right? So you take that larger 30,000-foot view, and then you start to say, okay, let's unpack and compartmentalize the things we can attack and have small incremental gains week by week, month by month, quarter by quarter. And it's just, it, candidly, I wish the resistance wasn't there. It's iterative. It's It allows a greater sense of buy-in. There's yep. a greater sense of victory. It's just measurable to be. It's, in it fact, is. I believe it's more measurable mm-hmm. than the waterfall approach. Well, and the measurements are based on real result. Mm-hmm. But but I, I and and I would you could almost have almost have a conversation about why do large car, large corporations continue to take that approach? That's just aggravating as hell. But anyway, let's do this. Yeah, I want sure. to educate. Shifting. So perfect. so you are now with kind of a unique company. And we were talking briefly before you got on here. It's it's kind of a combination of disciplines. One is cybersecurity. Correct. And and I do want to talk about that because we've not talked about that really in any way, shape, or form in all of our podcasts. Um, and then the other one is kind of leadership advisory, um, consulting to the CEO, but also kind of security related, and then the other one is application monetization. Is that yeah? Is that a is those that are the, yeah? Those are the three pillars. All right. Yeah, I wouldn't say that the C level focus is only on cybersecurity because we've had, but I mean that that whole idea. I mean, and and I'll just be candid there. It's you've got a lot of contacts. You've got a lot of contacts, and now because we're a little bit longer in our tooth in our career path, we have relationships with people that we've developed good trust mm-hmm. over time and they want to go, hey, Bill, remember when we did this project together? Well, well, well hey, I need help with this. Mm-hmm. Can you, let's go have lunch or a cup of coffee, whatever. Let me tell you what's inside my head 
and let's talk about, do you have experience? So, all right, now, perfect example is, I can talk about this from uh, high level. We have a, a very, our largest client's a commercial real estate company in North America. Their CTO came on three years ago and he had a plan, a five-year plan that he brought over my comrade, Scott, and said, hey, I need you to help me execute this. Let's go. So we stood up a project management work, you know, PML work. Mm -hmm. um, we stood up a, he stood up uh, the security office that now has a full-time CISO and several people working under them. Prior to this, they didn't have that in place. They were growing at a rate that was so rapid because they were very well-funded by one of the largest investment REIT firms in North America, the largest, which um, I'll keep in anonymity, but they were well-funded. And, and, and the idea behind the fund or the company backing them was, look, we need to change the model and how commercial real estate works. There's, in, in, if I say it now, and I'll probably say it 10 more times before we're done, in the end, there's so much data out there that people are still not wrapping their arms around. Yeah, they're not, they're not using it before. Right. So if you think about commercial real estate, during COVID, they were acquiring square footage at nickels on the dollar. I don't want to say pennies. Mm. They were And the, the idea was, let's build our footprint, our square footage footprint. Let's build the technology back end behind it so that the customer experience is get on an iPad, pay my, pay my lease, pay my electrical bill, pay my water bill, pay this, pay that, done. It's like simple, mm -hmm. right? Now, there's a ton of data that goes on the background to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And then, oh, hey, oh, by the way, we want to acquire more real estate. So let's tap into what's going other markets, or excuse me, other data layers that says, here's land for sale, here's geospatial information, here's um, socioeconomic data about the area, and they and all of a sudden now, voila. So coming full circle, that's a very strong success story for how we got in there. But what I did when I was there, and I, I helped stand up the PMO organization, and in my role, uh, I onboarded in the 20 months I was there, I onboarded eight new web apps, uh, so I became another, I guess, feather I could put in my cap is vendor management, contract negotiation, bringing on those mm -hmm. uh, vendors that can facilitate what the technology needs, what the technology stack in the organization needs. Cool. Very yeah, cool. it's fun. So, great project. Very cool. Now, but I do want to talk a little bit about that's that um, cloud cybersecurity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So you you got a relationship with a with a startup company that yeah. that provides that. What? All right. So, so what are the what are the challenges as it relates to security in the cloud? Let's just start there. Well, I, I can tell you right now. Once again, if I say it once, I'm going to say it ten times. It's all about think of think of all the endpoints that you now have firing data through a fire hose, generating logs. You have SecOps, security ops folks, security analysts. You have DevOps folks that have to be on call to say, hey, I found this threat. It's a high or critical risk. I need to push it over the, you know, whatever platform you're using, ServiceNow, Jira, or whatever you're doing, but that has to be remediated ASAP because I'm either out of compliance or I'm at serious risk. There's a fire hose of data that's coming at these people and they're i mean you say these people are just talking about public cloud people private cloud people. Anybody, that's, you know, anybody that supports it correct anybody that supports it is the data is just massive yeah so there's there's the uh there's the company that has a cloud service or cloud services footprint that might have 500 endpoints between virtual machines and databases and whatever, right? Then there's global companies that have 50,000 endpoints, right? Mm. Imagine, so you're building an entire organization around making sure that 
I make sure that that I ensure that every door is locked, every employee is properly um, following in their identity access management protocol. Right. It's now a whole new world of data. It's not new to be candid. There's a platform. There's an acronym that you know I've learned tons of them, but it's called the SIM. S I E M Security Incident Event Management. Okay, right. it's a platform. There's a lot of players out there. A lot of them uh, that will say, hey, oh, yeah. I mean, think of it from the mediation standpoint. Hey, there's a lot of people out there that can go out and, you know, sniff on a MIB or that's an old term, but, you know, tie right into a, a an endpoint, pull a log and do something with it. Yeah. Bottom layer. What that is, I think is tied into the infrastructure and then the visibility layer. Current, what do you do with it? How much of that stuff is worthwhile and what's not? You got to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. We only used to say that around here, right? Yeah. So oversimplified, there's just a lot more endpoint information um, data that's that's hitting these cloud environments, right. correct? Right. And there's a lot more people and there's a lot more processes that have to be compliant, whether it's access or whatever, right? So you're, you're, you're just... Is it an automated um, monitoring of all of those variables? I was hoping you'd ask that question. Is so so the you asked me a question before we got started. What does this relationship that we have with this company, um, what do they do that's different? Right? Mm -hmm. In order to be uh, validated in the space as a product company or services company, you have to offer something of value, right? So I, it's a it's a... It's a very busy landscape out there in this cybersecurity space. What these guys have done differently, in my opinion, and I'll you know talk about it candidly, is there's imagine all those fire hoses coming in you if we go left or right because you've always done taught my brain to work that way, Brian. If you go left or right, the gazinias and the gazouches, right? I got Love to do it. it. So there you go. I was going to pull that out. I got to <laughs> use the hammer. The gazinia gazette. So, so the inputs, right? The inputs that are coming in, they may be coming from Microsoft Azure, mm -hmm. Google Cloud, mm -hmm. Oracle's new fancy whiz bang thing in the bobber. There's a lot of different inputs that you can defy. Yeah. Okay. So now, there are, you, you think about a knock, a network operations center, right? And you have all these blinky lights and it's red and green. At some point in time, you have to set either a business driver or a technical or a regulation or compliance driver that says, whoa, I've reached a threshold. I got problems. I got to take action. So now the traditional model in SIMS that I've kind of described previously is, hey, Let's bring this into a data platform. Let's put it into a reporting layer and, and then let API. Pro right. Let's put it in Power BI or blah, 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 flim flammer reporting engine. And let's let those people tell us what we got to do. And what these guys do differently is they, one, they have the chops of 20 years of experience mm. in this space. So they've seen a lot of what I'll call how threats can be derived. Mm. Uh, and what they've built on the back end was, uh, I got to be careful how I say this because it might give it away. They've trademarked this terminology. But as the inputs come in, it will give you a web-based interface that tells you all of the endpoints that you're monitoring. And then it uses a, an algorithm that says, okay, based upon what we see and what we've mm, pulled from the logs there's a liability or a risk score, right? Okay, so now that's cool. I got a dashboard that tells me I'm where I'm out of compliance, not out of compliance, but based on my business rules where I'm- Risk area. There is absolutely a risk indicator. Red, yellow, green, kind of- Easy colors to do, right? Here's now in my long-winded story where they take it to the next level. So let's say I'm this security analyst and I see all these- monitor, or excuse me, all these alerts that are coming up and I need to take action. Traditionally today, the volume of alerts that are coming at a security analyst, it, it tends to flood them in their day-to-day -to, -day to get those all accomplished, right? So you have to be able to prioritize somehow. Yep. 
they put a prioritization in their scale factor that says, hey, not only do I think you should take these as high priority, oh, by the way, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do in the code base to fix it. Nice. So it has a... Is it, is it kind of like a provisioning uh, turn on, turn off? Uh, so so here's, here's how I would describe it. Um, if this, then that, right? If you see this and this and this, then you need to go into this endpoint, this, and it's already got all, it's already got the, so it knows the map. It's got the backstory, the context of where it discovered what was not working right. However, because of this heuristic library they've built and now says, hey, if you input this JavaScript code or input this XML, boom, this will fix the problem. Whatever, you, whatever the resolution is trying Correct. Get. Wow. So it's taking that security analyst that knows how to see alerts and alarms and, oh, I, I got to prioritize. And then generally what they would have to do is they'd have to log a ticket with their DevOps team pop it over to whatever platform the DevOps team says, oh, this is a P1. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, shit's breaking. Or, <laughs> oh, sorry. We didn't okay. <laughs> but, but something, But something could be breaking, right? Right. So it accelerates so you take that window of, of resolution. Because him or her that is now seeing this little snippet of code that can be applied. Now, we'll get there. Ideally... If what's been identified in the heuristic model, that could go and say, go do it for me, Mr. Machine. AI. That would be awesome. AI. But it, it, well, that, that goes back to them. Wait till you see our, wait till you hear our episode on that. That's yeah. coming up in a couple of weeks, the AI one. Have you guys already done it? Oh, yeah. It was, it was really. The, uh, it, was the, I think it was just Brian and I. Oh, man. I we, can't wait to see that. We had, but it was, but it was predated because of a conversation we had uh, at Bible reading the previous night yep. with uh, oh, about AI, thing. and it was really interesting. And and, and the, the the summary is is that you know I asked Brian, I said, well, how long before some sort of catastrophe happens based on AI technology, mm -hmm. whether it's financial market or security or debt, that is based on this thing because there's no regulation, sure, there's no process, right? There's no standards, right? So so now hold on, there is there there is the the guy that the gentleman that. Started Chat GPT, went to uh, Uncle Sam and said, "I think it's time to start considering regulation for this." And then, and they've put how many regulations out? Yeah, so yeah. I'm just saying it's an it's an open book, right? Understood. I totally get it. But, but that's coming. That's co that's coming to a theater near you in the near future. With so imagine. So so that is the the fud, the fear, certainty, and doubt that you could inject into that conversation. An enterprise worry could absolutely wrap their arm around that saying, oh, machine learning is one thing. That's great. Give me all the knowledge you can give me about these smart stuff. But if then all of a sudden, you know, what was uh, what was the robot's name in Lost in Space? Um, Danger Will Robinson. Hold on. Hey, uh, Mr. Robot. I Mr. Might have been Mr. Robot. Or if Mr. Robot is going to start making decisions for me. Well, it's eating chips. chips. Literally, of the decisions that have been made and by the, the, the technology. Correct. On the cybersecurity thing? No, I just think in general with AI. Same with yeah. cybersecurity. So, yeah. remember our famous adage, which is you can automate anything, including success and failure. Hmm. So, <laughs> so that's that door swinging. I know that load. I we have, I know that load. Yeah, I'm thinking about a couple, three projects with some of our customers where they're they've come to us and they're like, "Well, we want to do this," and we're like, "Why?" <laughs> well, we really think it's really be cool. We're like, "Well, this probably applies for like eight people." Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's not as good to me. So we automated, you know, something that, anyway, so continue. Well, and that, you know, I, I'm, I'm just saying that that usefulness of the AI is going to increase exponentially. The danger of it going raw on you will, will grow at the same rate. Mm -hmm. We out guardrails. So you can't just turn it completely loose. Mm -hmm. But. Come on, we've all seen science fiction movies. It always gets loose. Well, that's for the 
that's to sell more tickets, you know, at the drop-in theater. But you know, you 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 wind up getting in software and uh, and AI services and able to different things. We use it today all the time in chat robots and everything. Sure, you, sure. You go in there, but like uh, years ago, there was a uh, conversation regarding smart grid. And oh, I remember you were part of that. I was part of that. One of the biggest challenges there kept coming out. It's not that you can't do it; it's like should you do it? Yeah, because it makes it much more vulnerable mm -hmm. uh, to different things that can impact your energy grid. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I, I AKA brownouts, blackouts, is yeah, technologically you can do all that. Sure, How cool that would be. And then, and then the the industry professionals on that part of it. On the security side, said, "Well, you kind of, you kind of need to be careful with this." But you remember when all those babies were born after the last? Yeah, so you know, climate warming, everything. It's all dogs living with cats. So, so going back to the whole AI thing, and and I ask this honestly for feedback because I, you know, you guys are both smart dudes. Um. I stand on this, I guess, belief pretty strongly about AI. And, it, and once again, might be the fourth time I've said it, but it's about data, right? So no machine can make a decision on its own. They don't understand context. They don't understand emotion. I think they have no... I hear what you're saying. I think the, uh, the world's... The, the things we think about today of what we do is people in processing large chunks of data with an algorithm and scores to contextually think about it from an emotional standpoint, from a validity standpoint, all of that stuff's within those algorithms. And now you've got something that's able to process petabytes of data that are related to one particular thing that you want to make a decision about. And run simulation after simulation after simulation and once it kind of figures out it's good then it's good but it, what the, the challenge is and where you learn the most from are mistakes yeah yeah so you just hope those mistakes aren't too catastrophic well that's the whole thing about the you know the blood bath that could potentially be there yeah that'd be you know in physical blood or financial yeah or, uh, you know infrastructure or you know, everybody's orders don't come out on time, and that would be a level for oh, yeah, before the robots go crazy. Uh, you know, but it's it all goes down to the fact that it's hard for data people traditionally that look at data to realize the size and scope of the data that's been processed mm -hmm. to help drive those things. I, I mean, just reading some of the information regarding that a, the AI algorithms, the engines, and things. I'm not an expert on that. But I was just beflummoxed by the flummoxed by the thought process of, oh my God, you could do this because you've got. So let me suggest a really, really good series if you haven't seen it. Dark Dark. Always loved uh, Kiefer and Donald Sutherland. Right. Yeah. The old man's, I think, yeah. since passed, but Kiefer's still around. I think he's still around. Ke oh, Donald's still around. I think so. Oh, I feel. Not 100%. He must have made it through some tough times. Anywho, it's called a rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. And it is fantastic. And the dovetail into this very conversation is Kiefer's old man is he faked his death when Kiefer was like maybe 10 years old. Freaked him out. And then all of a sudden when Kiefer is like 40 or 45, however old he's old man pops back into his life. His father was with the CIA yeah. and was doing some pretty covert stuff uh, across the globe. And the story wormholes and wormholes and wormholes. And it's in it, it's really interesting because there's one gentleman that ultimately they have to, we got to stop this guy because he's attempting a coup against the United States. And he's got his hands on all of this data. He can um, blast into media streams and he's got access to all for him to be able to gain access to inf personal information, private information with a couple of clicks of a button. 
that's the part that makes people go, man, that's 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 no good. Now, how accurate that is, I know. You think about we you mentioned it multiple times. Buyer hoses with data. Yep, and that data is related because of things that people have done mm-hmm. or have requested to be done. Absolutely. Um, cookies, money offer cookies. That have money. What you buy, purchase history. That that engine, you know, rinse and repeat. Yep. So, without quality oversight, security, and a tight hand around that, and a check and balance. Mm-hmm. That's you've got. So that's another really big, really big point that is really, really well managed. Now, I'm I don't want to jump down the rabbit hole of. Ooh, to use the rabbit hole term. That we need you. We tied it all together. Right. I'm it's, telling you, you're going to like it. On regulatory creation from a governmental standpoint, yeah. Yeah. it's less than efficient. Well, and I design. But you have, you have so many people, so much data, and so much money at risk mm-hmm. that you know every person that wants to stick their hand into that fire hose of money mm-hmm. that's swimming right by all that data. Yep. They want to siphon some of that off too. They do. There's going to be bad guys. They're going to be bad guys no matter. Always, always. And you've got bad guys. You've got uh, incompetent people. You've got that just do it because they didn't. They didn't I didn't realize, know. I couldn't put my post-it note on my screen yeah, with my password. Uh, the ones they're going like, well, boy, this brings embezzlement to all. And I won't be caught for forty years. We're, we're going to need a new term for this. This is, you know. <laughs> Fire hose embezzlement kind of thing. You know, just but you know, we're joking around a little bit, but that to me that's a real concern going more. Is that security? Is that oversight? Is that monitoring? And then who checks the results of the AI? Yeah. Yeah. Because so it cannot be the he or she that built the algorithm. It's gotta be tertiary third party. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you knew that. Well you can do it, but you're that that's guaranteeing. I'm going to put my $5 down right now. Then a bloodbath will happen. So another great podcast I recent to, recently listened to. I um, I was a bit, this is going to take a complete left turn, right Go. turn Go. on subject. But um, when cryptocurrency was first announced, I was fascinated because what I learned here at Kansas was electronic transactions. Still to this day, mm-hmm. if you grab my wallet, I don't carry cash. I can tap my phone. I can tap. I want my single point of sale, a.k.a. my Android phone, my Samsung. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, not doing it ever again. Yeah. Um, anywho, Apple. Uh, I became fascinated with following the money. Always. But not necessarily. So this is where the dorkness comes in. Following the money is is at the transactional layer is how does the technology pass from hop to hop to hop and who's got their hand out wanting to get greased all along the way on the cryptocurrency side i'm just saying in general how how digital transactions happen right mm-hmm. for example venmo paypal cash app blah, 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 you can name a ton of them right mm-hmm. everybody gets a percentage of grease yep it's always so introduce cryptocurrency I'm fascinated by it but guess what? There's nothing freaking tangible about it. Nothing. Nothing. And I listened to a podcast recently. Um, the logo. It's a five-part series. I'm on the fourth. Sam Bankman-Fried. Yes. You guys familiar with a company called FTX? Yes, we are. Based in the Bahamas. One of the largest debacles in cryptocurrency Yes. Yeah. A lack of technological oversight mm-hmm. and shaming dealings? Well, I think when you get a mathematician that graduates from MIT, yes. who is wildly brilliant, but also extraordinarily quirky from a personality standpoint and right. has an ego the size of, you know, uh, Mount Hood, yeah. you're going to run into some challenges. Yes. Um, but that that is a fantastic rise and then rapid fall within like 30 days. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the candle that burns twice as bright, blah, 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 right? So um, I, I don't know. I, I never did the cryptocurrency for that exact reason. Was, I, was, I, I, I just looked at it and I go, there is nothing there. Yeah. And so, and then when I look at the youth of today and 
They're like, tell my dad, shut up. You know, it's in real estate. Don't do a 401k. You, you put it in real estate and crypto and hold on, we buy pet raw and, and, and hold on. I'm like, like, like well, maybe some of those do um, become high value. Like, well, maybe yeah. a parallel strategy is, is something to consider. Right. So, yeah. Um, but that's why I never did it. And yeah, and I made money on my crypto. Did you? Well, everything's everything's a matter of timing, right? It feels like you're just going to the casino. That's why I didn't like. Well, I'm done then too. A hundred percent why I didn't like it. Yeah, because it was a, it's a completely unregulated market, right? And I was like, hmm, man. Mm, so real- so here we all we all have certain political ideologies, but we kind of we don't want government, but we kind of need some government controls in there, right? Mm-hmm. And when we talk about the checks and balances. All you have to do is look at, you know, how the United States of America, you know, has three governing arms, judiciary and whatever, to keep everything in balance so that you don't necessarily have one kind of taking over the other. So as it relates to tying back rabbit hole AI, there is going to have to be checks and balances. There is going to have to be right. hundred percent. Right. It will not become enterprise ready until, well, let me, let me restate this, technologically enterprise ready today today compliance ready no cya audit capability ready today not even close not even close no so, not not on the traditional way that we think of doing audits and compliance you know, maybe there's a secret one we don't know about. all right so so there's been two themes on every podcast well and by the way uh, our, our off-camera man brilliant uh mr tim pintar how many podcasts have we done now 10 12 all right, so we've done a dozen. I'm lucky number 13. You are. Perfect. But there's two topics that always come up. Data. Mm-hmm. It's, it's common. AI. Yeah. We have talked and, about those yeah. two elements on every podcast. Because it's that, that relationship between the AI using that data, making payroads into what used to be traditional business processes that were managed, you know, with the CSRs or with... Uh, provisioning or what have you, you know, depending on what industry you're in, those ability to use that data to present a better solution yeah. quicker and a better experience a lot, you know, death work calls in. Instead of having a you know, two scripts that you read off of on your on your in your call center. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you're from you all more about this information available to you and, and based on the first few questions, you've got ten million iterations running in the background that tells you Here's probably where you want to be going. That mm-hmm. doesn't always work. No, yeah. we had a we had a great podcast on that one. Yeah, and and I, and I just went. I just went to. I was. I went to one of these things where I was a financial advisor, and they needed people to sit in empty seats, right? So that we you, weren't. Did you fill one? I, we filled it, right? And sure as hell, this guy gets up and he's a financial advisor to the stars, and he's doing all of this stuff. And you know what? The number one thing they talked about, AI. He's talking about from a financial investment perspective, all of mm-hmm. the, you know, when you think about hedge funds, when you think mm-hmm. about billions of dollars, right, they're all just right there, right? They're they're putting it in there. And the projections that they had for some of these stocks were just- Insane. 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 But I, I, I don't know, candidly, Bill, socially, I don't think the American people are ready for it. I don't think they're- now. I say that from this good old boy that's been raised in the Midwest. You take me out, you know, you go out to the West Coast and you you provide that same Q and A dialogue, it's all in, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and and is it so? What I'm starting to try and deduce is is AI just a new sexy marketing term for gazinias? Apply some cool logic, mm-hmm. provide some great gazouches. Is that AI? I don't, all right, so you know, let's see. Engine the processes that to give you your gazouch. All right, so yeah. so look, we're older than you, right? right? Yeah. And so we've seen the proliferation from mainframe to client server to you know, um, you know, code generation to uh, you know, uh, all of these advances, right? And now cloud, right? And, you know, I feel like the Monty Python guys running around saying, follow the shoe. No, follow the gourd. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. You know, this is the greatest new technology. You know, no, this one isn't over here. And I've just watched people of my career just get so caught up in something and they become 
morons. Yeah, I, they just so get caught in the market. That's a cool thing. Yeah, the, the, yeah, they become the architecture geeks, and you know, inevitably, then it fades out. This one's not going to fade out. Well, I, this this is I this, this is really the good. industrial revolution. Yes, the the invention of the wheel. Uh, yeah. To what? Who's driving that agenda, though? Ah, we talked about that in podcast. AI does not have to happen. Who, who's driving the agenda? Finance, greed, follow the money. Look at the, the that financial advisor that wants to make, you know, four hundred and twenty-three percent over three years off his AI stocks. You know what was That's really, cool. you know, what was really cool seven years ago too, cryptocurrency. Correct, yep. correct. But cryptocurrency, I think we already just discussed, has a inherent nebulousness to it whereas AI gives you a deliverable yeah you can follow the transaction sequence and lost jobs and you know and what about mm, that's another big well we talked about that that's another big potential negative impact right oh yeah coming to uh, coming to a theater to you you our next episode (laughs) our past episode so so let's do this right so we know some fantastic things so so you work for a company called CCG Carillion Consulting Group, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I think about it, after on what we've heard talked about, we really didn't talk about application modernization, but yep. there are still people that need, right, the implementation of PMO and the Apple, you know, how to kind of drive rapid application, cultural right. development. You talk about cybersecurity. You've talked about, uh, and the other element is really kind of advisory. That's that's the right term for it. Right. So you provide advisory, advisory services, services the to the CIO level. level. Correct. Right. And so, and how to kind of marry technology into their domains. And I think there's some, a couple, three verticals that you guys are really particularly good in, right? Mm-hmm. Logistics, warehousing. Mm-hmm. Um, manufacturing. Manufacturing and, mm-hmm. and, and real estate, right? Well, commercial real estate, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm still going to stay on the telco game. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I haven't fallen. Give it up, man. I'm not too far out of it to not still be in it, I should say. So if somebody wants to know more about this, where, where do they go? CarillionCG.com. Carillion CG. That's our that's our URL. Now, or you can go out to LinkedIn and just look up CCG. And and by the way, so if, if it's not readily apparent to the people on this podcast, we advocate competency based information. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't want to push and sell hardcore anything. 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 Right? We, can't. we believe that in 2023, people are smart enough to connect the dots to say. Yep. You know what? I learned a lot about XYZ topic, yeah. and those guys seem to kind of know what the heck they're talking Man, about. So, 100% so when I am ready yeah. to kind of pursue and have a conversation. I got a right? resource to give right. reach out to and get help. I'm, I'm probably a little smarter, right, about the topic, yeah. and maybe that partly, partially because of somebody that's doing it. So so that's what we advocate, right? So Call in. So okay. cybersecurity, application monetization, and advisory services is really the domain that you got. 100%. Executive, executive yeah. advisory services. And it's, yep. and, and it's old school, small company. Relationship. Relationship based. Yep. And, and you don't have to kind of deal with multi-billion dollar corporation no. uh, check and balance. I used the boat T-pad today to build an SOW, Bill. You'd be proud of me. There we go. Yep. There you go. Nice. There you go. Yep. Um, and as part of our security check, I'll leave both of your social security numbers. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're working yeah. for the right, right. What happened? Right. All right. So that's feeling anything, anything you want to wrap up, brother? No, I just, uh, I, I, I just feel good to be back on some turf that I spent some time with you guys. It was good to see. You know, there's a lot of history. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you get busy doing things and it's like, man, go back to, where you had some fun, and mm-hmm. I, I cut a lot of good teeth around you guys mm-hmm. in that age. At age 39, when I joined Kansas and when I left, um, there was a lot of great learning, and I, I really appreciate you. I still wish we had followed through with Google Pie. <laughs> Google Pie would have made us gazillions of dollars. What did that say? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> Brian, what do you got, brother? Uh, hey, you know, I, I think it's, uh, once again, we've, had a great conversation regarding the technology, the security, mm-hmm. the data fire hoses out there, and the ability to react quickly mm-hmm. with your software solutions. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to do that, and it's beyond, you know, the days of the of the the 
smart person sitting in the closet over there working on the data, making those decisions. It's a combination of all those, and that that data is almost insurmountable from a from a human standpoint. It, it, Agreed. Got to have yes some serious engines for processing it to the level that you want. Yep. Instead of a gazinias and gazettes. Bill, it has been the same. Your data is in, your data is out. Because this is this, and that's that, right? <laughs> this is it, and that's that. And I believe that is a wrap that are- on this episode of Revenue Uncoded. Coded, coded, coded. Well done. Well, All right, thanks, man. We're doing it.